Airing from the No Sponsorship Studios, this is Buddy Walk with Jesus, where real life and the kingdom of God connect. Now, your hosts, Joe and Edgar. Father God, I thank you for the opportunity to be able to come together. Father, I thank you for you. I thank you for the fact that you know we can we can take refuge in you in a world that offers no certainty no sense of stability nothing not, at least nothing long lasting that that we can turn to the unchanging the rock the solid point of of our existence father i thank you that you so love us that you encourage us to involve you, to engage with you in the good, in the bad, that regardless, we can count on you. Father, I thank you for who and what you are. In Jesus' name, amen. All right, guys, what is up? Welcome back to Buddy Walk with Jesus. As always, as we get started, we want you guys to know two very important things that you are prayed for and that you are loved deeply. Um, as always, for all the links, for all the things, check us out, buddywalkwithjesus.com. And last but not least, if you are in need of prayer, do not hesitate to reach out. Prayer at buddywalkwithjesus.com. So this week is going to be a special episode. Um, we are laying down an intro here, and what you're going to hear next is Edgar go into um, a pretty significant story. You know, we have been discussing things like what do you do with tragedy? What do you do with suffering? What do you do when real life gets real sort of thing? Um, that it doesn't always, you know, uh, work out in the Hallmark movie sense. And we're gonna we're gonna get into some of that. So um, this is one of those episodes where we're throwing up the the adult content warning. You know, we're always uh, we always strive to be a family friendly show and all of that. But we are going to be talking about um, loss, loss of children. Um, that you know, some more adult themes that we need to that that we suggest uh, viewer discretion. Uh, may be advised for this one if you're somebody who typically has uh, small ears around when you listen. Mm -hmm. You know, sometimes we, we say, why does God allow things to happen? Or um, how can God use a tragedy? Uh, this is probably my own personal journey through that question. This happened in 2001. Um, and I probably won't go into too much because we have the recording coming up. But just su suffice it to say, this starts off well before the tragedy ever occurred. It is about God walking with me early on and making his presence known. Why do I say that? Um, at the age of 10, um, before I was a Christian, 
I had a woman teaching me uh, English, an English structure, and she was, it was just friends, you know, it wasn't like a school teacher or anything. Um, I had a lot of friends of different ages at that point, but she was saying, you know, for all you need for an English word, excuse me, an English sentence is a verb and a noun. And she wrote out Jesus wept. That verse that she chose, and it wasn't what she would particularly lean for, but it was one that came out of her, her own personal history. Jesus wept formed the simple sentence. It's also the shortest verse in the Bible. Um, and that verse has walked with me throughout my life since then. It's as though God planted a seed by someone who had enough of an understanding of God to put it there. That doesn't mean that she was a Christian. It just meant that she had an understanding of God. She put it there. I've never heard her profess faith, but I owe her a lot. I'll tell you that. And into my life throughout the years, everyone has seasons of tragedy. Everyone has seasons of joy. But this was probably the most difficult time. And it led to the time period where we would have a national tragedy. That being said, when you think of what God can do in a tragedy, you don't really think of him. Well, I'm going to hold off on that thought. You think of him as taking away the tragedy. You want him to take it away. That's what you want him to do. But what we find out, and we see this in scripture, what we find out is he reveals himself. He reveals who he is in that tragedy. That is not to say that he needs the tragedy to reveal himself. It's saying that he just reveals himself during that time of tragedy. And we can see that happen on personal levels. We see it in scripture. We see it with Noah's Ark. We see it with um, the, the, the walls of Jericho. We see it with the uh, children in the wilderness, the Israelites. So we see it throughout there. But what I had not expected was over time to see at the most difficult point, and apart from my family, even, even the church I was attending could not come alongside me and understand the pain of what caused this. This is, for me, what I call embracing the thorns, the male side of loss, the loss of a child. And no one explains to a man what it feels like to have a child ripped away from you. No one explains that. And I swore to myself that I would never let another man suffer alone through that if I could help it. And since then, there have been a couple of men who have had that same tragedy. And I walked with them through it. Um, but not in a way to overshadow what was going on, but to be there as a support. Whenever somebody experiences a tragedy, it's it's hard to know what to do, but being a support, how can I help you through this? Let me know and I'll do it. That kind of thing goes a long way. You know, I'll be quiet if you need to, 
goes a long way um, because pain is personal and not everybody responds the same way. And it's important because a lot of times these are pivotal things in a person's life. So that being said, a lot of came out of this, but the one thing that came out of it is that God revealed himself, not right there at that moment of the tragedy, but several months later. And it was something that brought me a lot of solace. Tragedy sometimes is unavoidable. For me, when that occurs now, I try to look at it differently. Before the before this event, Edgar would not have been able to understand that. It was only after the 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 uh, after the event where God revealed Himself. Am I able to see that there's more to what's going on than just the tragedy? There is that Romans eight twenty eight quality. Something is going on that wasn't good, but God is bringing something blessed in there. Now, I know for a lot of people, that's an odd thing to say. But people who have experienced God's revelation through tragedy will understand what I'm saying. But it's okay if you don't get it. There's nothing wrong if you don't get it. Um, what I would like is for people not to fear tragedy, not to be overwhelmed by tragedy, but to look for the God of hope who can and do something about it. I don't know what he's going to do for you. I, I really don't know, but I know he can do something for you. And I know he will do something for you. But part of what was important for me is that I was looking for him for that answer. I wasn't looking to anybody else, not even people at that point that I considered spiritual because they just didn't have it in them. And, and, and Joe, you've seen this when you see a loved one and there's people who give awkward phrases. Uh, it's similar to that, um, where they try to spiritualize a response that's supposed to, because they said it, be a light bulb for you. They, they mean well, but they expect it to bring a change for you, and it doesn't. Right. And, and You're going to see in this episode uh, a very prime example of something that you've heard us talk about a lot with not reaching for something cliche, something that it's not just because cliche sentences are annoying. It's because that's oftentimes not what the person needs in that moment. And oftentimes when it's a reach for a sentence like that, it has more to do with the person saying the, the sentiment than the person who's receiving the, the sentiment. So this is something that a lot of times just has to be walked through. You can't say the right thing. You can't do the right thing in this kind of situation. You can just be there. It's, it's, it's about the being there, not about the doing. Yes, exactly. It's the rejoicing with the rejoicing and the uh, weeping with the weeping. Right. And this is a, 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 a point in my life where I actually documented through email what was occurring. The only time I've ever done anything like this, I don't journal. I wish I did though, but I don't. Um, but this was that one time where I had journaled through email what was going on. 
And what's funny is this recording almost didn't make it into my hands. So it would have been an experience only in my mind that I wouldn't be able to share with anybody. But fortunately, because of the grace of one person, they made sure they got a, a recording to me. Um, and I've been able to share it, not to a wide range. This is probably the largest audience that will hear this. And believe me, if it does anything for you or you think anybody can benefit, please pass this episode along. Um, with that being said, I just want people to know that whatever you're going through, the God of the universe is there for you. And he is ready to reveal to you himself. That's the only thing sometimes that gets me through the day. Um, and it definitely got me through this point. It is, in my opinion, one of God's languages. God is complex, but not complicated. We are finite. We are complicated. Relationships are complicated. Conflict will arise. It is what we do with these conflicts that is important. Every writer will tell you that every story needs conflict to be a great story. I have been fortunate in meeting some of you to hear your story. Right now, I'm enraptured by what's going on in the Burner household. You know, I have a friend, Ray, what he's going through, and he's sharing it. He invites me into his life. The Petersons, wonderful stories that are going on about inspiration and persevering through difficult life challenges. When you look around, the tendency in the American church is to see people you worship with, fellow believers. What I would like for us to get to is the point where we see brothers and sisters so that the walls come down. Neil Postman states in From the Science and the Story that We Need. In the end, science does not provide the answers most of us require. Its stories of our origins and our end is, to say the least, unsatisfactory. To the question, how did it all begin? Science answers, probably an accident. To the question, how will it end? Science answers, probably by accident. And to many people, the accidental life is not worth living. I know it's not for me. J.K. Chesterton says, I've always felt life first as a story. And if it is therefore a story, there is a storyteller. John Eldridge said, Christianity in its true form tells us that there is an author, that he is good. The essence of all that is good and beautiful and true, for he is the source of all these things. It tells us that he has, his, he has set our hearts longings within us, for he has made us to live an epic. It warns that the truth is always in danger of being twisted and corrupted and stolen from us. There is a villain in the story who hates our hearts. And wants to destroy us. It calls us up into a story that is truer, deeper than any other. And assures us that there, that there we will find the meaning of our lives. He goes on to say, it goes far deeper than entertainment. 
by the way. Stories nourish us. They provide a kind of food that the soul craves. Stories are the equipment for living, says Hollywood screenwriter, teacher Robert McKee. He believes that we go to the movies because we hope to find someone else's story, in someone else's story, something that will help us understand our own. We go to live in a fictional reality that illuminates our daily reality. Stories shed light on our lives. With that said, there was a scientific experiment several years ago called the Biosphere 2. And one of the key findings that came out of it was trees. Now, we're all familiar with trees. We know how strong and powerful trees are, especially when pitted against a car. But there's a beneficial aspect that trees get from wind. Wind nourishes the plants. It gives them pollination, spreads seeds, removes harmful gases. But there's one unseen thing that wind provides. Biosphere 2 found this out. Wind is also necessary for creating hardy, strong trees. When it was first created, the wind, there was no wind in Biosphere 2, so the plants grew relatively quickly. So we would think that's great, but they frequently fell over before they were of reproductive age. And after they investigated, they found out that because of the lack of wind, the wood did not become stressed, stronger. So the natural environment is to create stress on the tree so that it grows stronger, so the roots go deeper. This is also what God does through situations in our lives that we see. The wind, if you will, that makes us stronger, that he uses to refine us. So we should not fear wind in our lives. So. Now, I mentioned earlier a memory verse, but wait. I want you to understand that everyone is going to be able to do this. I guarantee you 100%, each one of you will be able to memorize this verse. 99% if you haven't had your coffee. Okay. And this is the memory, sir, the memory verse. Jesus wept. Anyone need a tutor? Okay. This for me is a verse that has been through my life and it probably came about when I was 10 years old. It's a first appearance in my life was not as a verse, but as an English lesson. There was a woman in my life who wanted to teach me English. And she said the simplest sentence is subject verb. She wrote, Jesus wept. Very nicely. everything. But the thing I noticed most about this lesson was the way she responded after she wrote it. She made that kind of gesture like it wasn't the example she wanted, but it was one that came to mind. God used that gesture to plant that verse in my life at that point. And so it has been with me throughout that time. In 2008, there was another verse. John, excuse me, Job 2.10. Um, and it's from Peter Fox's sermon when he talked about Job. Uh, Shall we accept God's riches and not his trouble? The way he said it was new, fresh, it clicked. To me, God's troubles was a place of safety. It no longer became an adversarial situation, but it became an opportunity. Now, all this is, is melding into life as it is. And 
When I look back at one of the most difficult times in my life, I came upon an event that I actually documented in emails, which I'm going to read out to you as it happened. And with that, I'm hoping that you're able to see that there's opportunity that goes throughout this story that I'm revealing. This is probably something that is very hard and deep, and I'm hoping to get through it. But I have a loving body, and we'll make it. Uh, This is the first email from Wednesday, February 7th. The subject is prayer support. For those of you who may not know, we are expecting, and it has been difficult a difficult pregnancy for Maria, but there is cause for greater concern. Please put the baby, Maria and I, on your prayer circle. We received terrible news this week that, from her obstetrician and the sonogram doctor. The OB informed us that her AFP came back abnormal. So we have a 1 in 18 chance of having a baby with Down syndrome. Fine, we can live with this. We are believing that God is the final say in the matter. And it will be as he decides. That was the easier news to take. The sonogram doctor said that the heart has a problem. One of the four chambers has not developed properly. On this fact alone, he suggested terminating the pregnancy. He only looked at Maria when he suggested this. Somehow I was invisible until she said no. He then informed us that the brain was not developing as well and suggested that an amniocentesis be performed. His prognosis was that the baby would not live past one year. But who can say what miracle can happen between then and now, whether it would be in advance of medical science or otherwise? We refuse to give up on this child. Maria has a fear of this because you can actually miscarry from the procedure. She asked for my opinion. We discussed it and decided that if the information could somehow help the doctors when this baby is delivered, then it would outweigh what they considered a small risk. We decided to trust God and give him full control of our child right then, knowing full well that the father could use this opportunity to take our little one home. We already have one in heaven, Rebecca Karina Anastasia Rodriguez. She's four years old this past December 6th. There's one side benefit to having that procedure performed that God let my spirit know. We will be able to say we took this step as trusting parents and cannot be held accountable by guilt or person for not having taken the opportunity. We have another sonogram appointment next week, and we're trying to get as much prayer support going between then and now. Sincerely, Edgar Rodriguez. This is a second email. Tuesday, February 20th. Update from Michaela. A lot has happened since I last sent out an email. Thank you for your patience, but first I would like to thank you all for your prayers. During this difficult time, that has been the only thing that has given us hope. The amniocentesis came back with the final results of trisomy 21, Down syndrome, and that we were expecting a girl, Michaela Ariella Sunshine. For those of you keeping track, girls lead four to one. We are relieved that it is 21, which is the least severe. We understand that this child will have greater demands, but we believe the rewards will also be greater. We spoke with a genetic counselor today who was able to let us know that regarding the seriousness of the heart condition, 
which has not been determined as of this writing, we can expect to have the baby taken from us at delivery and transported to another hospital for any needed surgery. That is the worst case scenario. In speaking with the OB, he informed us that we have a long way before that time arrives. And with that time, we can plan accordingly. Next week, we are scheduled for a fetal echocardiogram to better understand the conditions of Michaela's heart. We are unable to get any of the results from the sonogram performed today because the doctor was out due to a death in the family. But we are excited to see Michaela moving about a lot. One thing for sure is that she's feisty, a feisty fighter. Boy, will we have our hands full. Maria and I have been in determined spirits to understand and provide whatever will be needed at the time of delivery. Our other children, Tabitha, Lindsay, Abigail, and Benjamin, have been a constant source of joy and support. We fully believe they will be wonderful siblings for Michaela. Please continue to keep us in your prayers and pass this report on to your prayer circles. At one point, this seemed a tragic event in our lives and is quickly becoming an adventure. Maria and I are convinced that major adjustments will have to be made, and we feel frequently fortunate to have had such a wonderful support from all of you. I know that in the future, I will look back at this time and know that many people loved my family and me. Thank you. Sincerely, Edgar Rodriguez. This is the third email. Wednesday, February 28th. Update from Michaela after fetal echocardiogram. Hello, everyone. Yesterday was a fetal echocardiogram, and even though we have better news to report, I found today to be a little more difficult. First off, during the examination, the doctor let us know that the brain looks normal. You may remember he informed us that there was a possibility of the brain not developing normally. Well, that's one prayer answered. But me being the man of faith that I am, I asked him, are you sure? He confirmed this, that at this point in the pregnancy, it would be 90% viewable. I'll take that. From that diagnosis, we went on to the real work, the heart. His diagnosis is still the same. After viewing the heart, he let us know that Michaela will need two surgeries for the heart. The first one would be performed a week after delivery. He cautioned us that there's 30 to 40% mortality rate. Now you can see why today is so difficult. The odds are worrisome, but still, on the whole, they are good. We are confident that your sacrificial prayers and the doctor's expertise will see us through this. As always, we cannot believe the peace that we have received. Even when we feel overwhelmed, we know we are not overcome. It is your prayers that are the key for us. We thank God for this. It has allowed us to remain focused on the education we are receiving in medical prognosis. Our goal has remained the same as the beginning, ensuring that Michaela will have the medical attention in place for when she needs it. In keeping with this, we have been fortunate to get a pediatric cardiologist who will care for Michaela's needs. He comes highly recommended and will be able to help us meet our goal by creating the proper plan of action, which will include whether Maria will deliver in the same hospital where the operation will be performed. For practical and emotional purposes, we pray that it is so. And yes, we will be asking for that. 
Since we are receiving excellent information, we are able to plan for our family's needs, not just Michaela's. This includes Maria's being as close to Michaela as possible. Keep this in prayer. I have been elected to be the go-between, messenger, chauffeur, whatever else falls into my lap. As Maria and I are walking in what is for us uncharted territory, we have taken to the task of learning what Michaela's condition means to us and our family. This includes the newly diagnosed dual dina atresia, which for us is far more bearable than an underdeveloped brain. This can be corrected by surgical means, thank God. Please include the medical staff in your prayers that are, as they are helping us in a physical way. We see the care as being so essential for our family as your prayers also include our sleep. It has been difficult that these last several days, and we both could really use a sound night's rest. Thank you, our friends, for listening to our hearts, graciously granting us your support, and most of all, sharing in our lives. The road is a little less dark, a little less frightening, because of the caring people God has placed around us. We are so thankful for all of you. With sincerest appreciation, God bless you, all of you. Edgar and Maria. This is the fourth email. Update on Michaela, March 10th. Hello, dear friends. First, let me apologize for not giving you an update as soon as I should have. I am deeply sorry about that. You have taken such great lengths to offer your support through prayer, and I truly appreciate it. It is just that even with heartening news, I have come to feel overwhelmed. But even in those times, a man must rise up to the challenge. I must continue to be a support for my wife and child. It can be done. I would like to thank all of you for your prayers so far. It has been a great help, and best of all, there is good news to report. On Tuesday, we saw the pediatric cardiologist, and he gave us his prognosis. He believes the heart is good enough, in good enough shape, that Michaela will not have to have the operation until several months after birth. We are truly excited by these news. It was an answer to all your diligent prayers. Please know that we see this as a miracle of God given to us through the community of friends. Maria had tears of joy. For every day before surgery is a day for Michaela to get stronger. We are so looking forward to seeing her. Through the fetal echocardiogram, she has shown her tenacity and zest for life. She just would not be still for anyone. She moved about so much the doctor could not believe Maria did not feel it. When he examined the chambers with the color coding, he could see that there was good flow of blood in the defective chamber. This was an extremely good sign. Though he was the only one who really understood it fully, to us it was treasured news. Little Michaela had invaded our thoughts daily, and we pray each time, grow stronger and know that we love you. The journey is quickly becoming exhausting, but we must endure We have come to look forward to sharing with all of you, knowing that through this time we are not alone. Please continue to put Michaela and us in your prayers. Next Tuesday we have another sonogram, so we should hear more about the dual dina atresia. With sincerest appreciation, God bless all of you, Edgar and Maria. This is the fifth email. Wednesday, March 28th. Michaela Ariella 
Sunshine Rodriguez, November 1st, 2000 to March 28th, 2001. There is no easy way to tell you. Today, we went to the pediatric cardiologist. He let us know that Michaela's heart was no longer beating. She had slipped from our arms in the twinkling of an eye. When they started the fetal echocardiogram, it was immediately evident something was horribly wrong. Michaela was not moving. She was still. It could as easily have been mistaken for sleep, but she was a mover, feisty as any child could be. It was only moments before the doctor confirmed what we believed. Michaela was gone. It had been several days since Maria had felt any movement, but that in of itself was not unusual. We are at a loss, but we want each of you to know that she meant and still means the world to us. We truly thank God in our sorrows that we were able to be her parents and to fight for her and to love her, even if it meant never getting the chance to hold her. We would graciously ask that you continue to pray for us, that the focus would be directed to the necessary medical procedures that Maria must undergo. Please pray for her emotional well-being as well as physical. This will be one of the hardest things she has faced in her life. But I am confident that God will hear your prayers as well as mine. I love this woman, and now I have the opportunity to be there for her in better or worse. Michaela's sisters know what happened, and with childlike faith, they understand that she is in heaven. Benjamin is far too young to understand. The girls cried and hugged Maria's belly. They will continue to grieve as we do. They will probably bounce back faster than we will. At this time, we would like to thank all of you for your heartfelt prayers. Your support has never been more important to us than now. Our warriors keep us in your continued thoughts and prayer. For there we shall find some comfort. There is one thing we must address that we believe most of you understand, but we want to make it plain. We do not regret this journey that we have taken, and though we must say goodbye to Michaela, it is for a short time, for our hope lies in God and his perfect plan for our lives. At the end of our lives, we will be reunited with her and see her as God meant for us to see her, fearfully and wonderfully made. With a focus like that, it's easy not to let bitterness and anger take root. There are no wise but acceptance that this is the road we must travel. There is more of a truth for me at this moment than for Maria, but we journey together and I will wait for her to arrive at my place of understanding. For I know if it becomes difficult for me, she will wait for me to arrive at her place. Once again, thank you with sincerest appreciation. God bless all of you, Edgar and Maria. This story has always been so connecting to me. The biggest curiosity are the tears of Jesus. I never fully understood it, even though the text explains why. But before I get to that, Martha doesn't say she had anybody helping her out or comforting her. Came up to Jesus and asked, you know, Lord said to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. Mary came up to him, Lord, if you had been here, my brother would not have died. 
they understood the power that Jesus had and his ability to heal the sick. He had even raised people who had newly died. But they wept because they felt that God had not come to them when they prayed. They asked, they called. But Jesus knew that there was a greater glory and it wasn't time. He purposely waited for a tragic event to happen so that God could be glorified. Sometimes we think we're driving, but we need to realize it's God doing the driving. And as with Michaela, we see the events unfold, but we do not have the understanding of what God is doing. And so we go with a head knowledge. It said in verse 33, when Jesus saw her weeping and the Jews who had come along with her also weeping, he was deeply moved in spirit and troubled. In verse 35, he wept because of what he saw. That is the reason for the tears. But for some part, I didn't understand it. There was more that was going on. And I had yet to connect with it. Why would God weep? I had this guilt, and I'm going to take you on a very difficult journey. But at this point, I'd like to have my wife come up for a moment. And as she's coming up, I will take you on the part that was private. The part that even though she was present, she was not part of. My wife had to... Deliver Michaela, and most women know some men that you would have to have labor induced to perform this. So, what was that like for me, the person who could see all aspects, my wife, her expression, the doctor? What would be the delivery? What was it that I was going to face? I had trepidation. I really did. This was the darkest part of my life that I had ever been up to that point and probably since. The doctor took a metal instrument that looked like a stick. And he had been able to hook out with another tool, the umbilical cord. And on this metal stick, what I saw him doing was some kind of action, whether I perceived it correctly or not, was slowly shifting to get the placenta to remove from the wall, the uterine wall. And he was applying gentle pressure. I could see that. He knew what he was doing. I had all the confidence. Maria, it was painful, as you can imagine. More than physically painful, it was emotionally painful. And as the doctor pulled, there was this sudden explosion of speed that I couldn't really phantom what happened. But at the end of it, what I looked and I saw was the doctor holding what looked to me like a torn umbilical cord. The placenta was laying down there on on the bed. And all I could think of is, where is my baby? Where is she? The doctor had a puzzled expression on his face. And I couldn't understand. He, with more knowledge, didn't understand how could I. And then he reached for the placenta and he lifted it up. And there was Michaela, face down with her back to me, motionless. 
and it was too much for me to hold, and I turned my face. I had this, what I would call a repulsive kind of look at the graphic image. And I didn't know what to do with it. I did not know. I just knew to be silent. And silent I was. What happened then, I can only surmise because my mind does not recall. They finally came, took Michaela, got her cleaned up. Maria and I stayed together, continuing to affirm each other however we could, knowing that God was present. And when they brought Michaela back, they had wrapped her. She was this size. And they gave her to us to hold, wrapped up, swaddled, so that we could say bye, we could hold her. Maria got to hold her. Tell the baby, who was six days gone, that she loved her. Then I got my turn. How do you kiss a baby who's been dead six days? I didn't have that answer. I wanted to, and I felt guilty not doing it. Michaela, her spirit was in heaven. We got to hold her, tell her love. We love her and how we understood it. And know that she was forever a part of our lives. Right now, she's cremated and she sits in a memorial cabinet in our living room. If we had decided to have her interned, we would not be here today. We would still be living on Staten Island. We wouldn't know any of you. I wouldn't have known the great relationships I have now. I wouldn't have this opportunity to be thankful for this moment. So sometimes the little decisions we make have a big impact. That's something that God ordains. He sets our footsteps. Many, many weeks later, I would say about three months, I am still racked with guilt that I could not continue looking at my baby. My baby had died and I could not look. Crying out to God and his spirit spoke to my spirit. Not in any audible voice, but how we hear. He said these words. I turned my face away too. And at that point, Jesus wept, became God understands. Or God enters into the pain. He knew he was going to raise Lazarus. It was not a mystery to him. So why did he weep? Because he entered into the pain of those he was looking on and he joined in. Even though he could have bypassed it all. And had Lazarus come out. God is relational as I said earlier. He is involved in the story. It is so important that we realize how much God desires to be in our everyday. I want to read a poem I wrote about Michaela. Love and time, two very different components, merged in that quiet, intimate moment a tiny voice of laughter and light carefully hidden from my sight, a marvel to fill my days with hope, a wonder to fill my nights with prayer, a joy to change my life, my every thought for your care, a powerful dream to one day unfold, 
a wonderful being to one day hold. A memory in the making until my world started shaking. A doctor's words, a parent's wound, a shattered dream. And you were gone far too soon. Like the slowly dying embers of a fire never realized quietly and softly you were taken from my life. No hand to hold, no skin to touch. Only the emptiness that pains too much. The worst of all is the thought that I cannot erase to never Feel your sweet breath upon my face. Days have passed. Months have gone. Years are lost. And yet the pain is strong. But this I know deep in my soul. You are not a voice that has been still. But rather you are a promise fulfilled. It's all about God's story. When we make our lives into God's story, then every tragedy becomes an opportunity. If you will indulge me a moment. This is for the people who are going through some difficult situations currently. I don't know them. God knows them. You know them. Those of you who are not facing, I just ask if you would take a moment just to quietly pray for those who feel the need of that they're overwhelmed in a life circumstance. Whatever that may be. Physical, emotional, spiritual, financial. If you take this opportunity to look at that situation and make God the main character of your life, of the story he's telling, how does your situation change? You should become the rescued. You should become the loved one. You should become freer of that weight. God desires to be intimate, fully intimate with you. I'm going to close with a verse that came up this week. Romans 8.28. I actually had incorporated it into the message. And then I was speaking with a friend who also mentioned Romans 8.28. I took it as a sign. This was a verse to close with. I'm greedy that way. It says, and we know that all things God works for the good of those who love him, who have been called according to his purpose. We know that God is always at work for the good in everyone's, for the good of everyone who loves him. They are the ones God has chosen for his purpose. So what is the calling? Why well, review this 20 times in the gospel? It appears the calling. And it's quite simple. God says it through Jesus Christ. Come follow me. That I'd like to give it over to Dennis. I'm just going to say how I'm feeling this morning. It's a very real moment. Uh, we, don't, we don't usually get this quite real. But if you, regardless of where you stand on the abortion issue, I would imagine if I was sitting here hearing this, and whether I was pro-life or pro-choice, I would have walked out of this room. This is serious stuff. And this is stuff that causes us to never want to ever follow God ever again. This is real. And I want to capitalize. Capitalize. Sounds like a very industrious thing. 
I just want to close our service a little bit different than we normally do. I think God gives us these solemn moments. Um, and sometimes as a church, we do a happy song at the end. Just because we want everyone's spirits leaving like, yay, Jesus, right? And it'd be easy just to kind of coat, coat that over. Um, but I want to go into a time where we do re- celebrate the Lord's Supper and remember what he did on the cross. But just provide you guys an opportunity to just do some business with God. Just by, by ourselves. Just take our pain and our hurt and our suffering and whatever we're going on side. And just give it over to the Lord. Edgar, you're an unbelievable example of a faithful man. And Maria, um, the courage to share that. It's like unbelievable. And and so just thank you for, for sharing that and um, may it may it bring our hearts closer to God this morning. So I'd like to have a word of prayer. Um, we're gonna celebrate the Lord's Supper in the back. We're gonna remember what Jesus did, that our ultimate hope is in him, and uh partake of the bread, partake of the juice, and um do some business with the Lord. And uh, and when you're ready, you're welcome to, to leave the service at that point. Let's have a word of prayer. God, these kind of things uh, seem to heap a lot of guilt upon, upon people that you died for. And God, we just need your grace right now to just come upon us. And Lord, your healing... And your sovereignty. And God, we don't know where else to look but but the cross. God, that you would send your one and only son to die on the cross. And by us putting our faith and hope in him, we can be reconciled to you and have an ultimate hope. God, as we remember what your son has done on the cross for our sins... God, let us turn our eyes off of our circumstances and get them refocused onto what you've done. God, help our hearts to heal. Help us to grow stronger in our love and belief in your goodness. In Jesus' name, amen.